to Ion Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. Uh, this is episode 60, otherwise known as season four, episode three. Uh, I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me, as always, your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing much better. Uh, got my TMJ under control, and I've been sleeping soundly. Nice. So you're well-rested. Yes. Also with us, as always, is your other other host, John Korea. How you doing, Korea? Doing pretty good. It's freaking early, though. What, why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> Not a Sunday, no less. Well, I'm glad you brought up the why we do this so early thing, because there's a reason this episode, because we've got a couple of very special guests and they are East Coast. So they're they're three hours in the future. And uh, one of them, you are going to remember that she she is a two timer now. Kelly McNeely. Hey, Kelly, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Very excited to be here again. This is thrilling. Yes. Yeah. You, you join Waylon Jordan as a multi-guester. Well, I'm honored. I'm honored. And also with us um, is I, I am going to butcher this name and you're going to have <laughs> to pick up the save. Rihanna Speldener. How do you say? Close. It? Very close. Bree Spieldener. Like spill your dinner. And hello. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to be here as well, even though you just disgraced me in front of the whole nation (laughs) (laughs) and you know i could have checked that before and gotten that pronunciation but i didn't anyway uh (laughs) kelly and brie they have a podcast on the i guess it's the iHorror podcast network now well now it is there are two yeah we have more than (laughs) one so now we are a network and uh, their podcast is called murmurs from the morgue and uh, their first episode just dropped uh, what like a week or so ago uh, so you guys should all check that out. So um, thanks for being here. And uh, how? Th- let's get a little bit of background on your podcast. What is your podcast all about? Let everybody know before we dive into our episode. I say, like, Bree, do you want to take this one? Okay. <laughs> Which yeah. one is taking um, this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, our podcast is where we just discuss, like you guys, our favorite horror movies, but we try and put a little more analysis into it and um, talk about... Um, like more fringy movies, I feel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're still discovering where exactly we want to go. We just had an episode on our top movies of 2020, our top horror movies of 2020. And our next episode is going to be discussing Hereditary and kind of its legacy in uh, movies that have come out since then. You had me at fringe movies. <laughs> because that's my thing you had me at deep dives yeah <laughs> yeah their their pod is um it's it, it does it is more of a deep dive than ours and it's also more list oriented i noticed i don't know if that's yes. going to be a theme but it was definitely yeah. like it was like a countdown we love kind lists of thing. we do love our <laughs> lists yeah gonna be a lot of lists i reckon <laughs> nice beautiful that's that's all good um and kelly knows the drill brie you, I don't know if you listen or not, but um, we uh, we like to the, the first half of the show. We just kind of catch up and find out what we have been watching and what we've been doing. So, uh, what do you guys been watching? And what do you guys been doing? Who wants to go first? Um, well, I got to see a bunch of movies from the Sundance Film Festival, so that was oh, pretty yeah. fun. Oh yeah, you were at nice. Sundance. What's good from Sundance? Virtually, 
Uh, well, yeah, as you can imagine, I was uh, drawn to the more genre entries this year, and there were some real good ones. Um, the first one I want to mention that I particularly enjoyed uh, this movie called Censor, uh, which uh, takes place and revolves around the video nasties in Britain, you know, where they actually made like horror movies that they consider too extreme to be illegal. And it's basically about this censor that um, she sees something familiar in like an in like a video nasty that she's reviewing and starts to get to her because of some trauma from her past. And she starts to see things and starts to kind of affect her mind. So it was a really interesting kind of psychological horror movie with a lot of, um, you know, social subtext meme uh, themes. Uh, Oh, and I got to see the new Ben Wheatley movie in the earth, which how was that? Oh, it was it was interesting because I kind of compare it to uh, Dario Argento's for phenomena in that it's kind of an encapsulation of his work because it has uh, some folk horror in it, slasher elements, very dark comedy, mm-hmm. um, isolation, horror. It just it's a very good blend. And it's very interesting because he did shoot it uh, during the pandemic and there's kind of an element to it. Uh, again, it, it's best to go in as blind as possible, but there uh, there there's de- definitely uh, some interesting elements like that. Uh, oh, and the big one. Uh, I saw Science Sonos collaboration with uh, Nicolas Cage, Prisoners yes. of the Ghostland. Yes. How was it? How was that? Weird as fuck. <laughs> but <laughs> that's why I loved it. Uh, it's kind of uh, Escape from New York meets um, The Road Warrior because it's like mm. pseudo post-apocalyptic and Bill Mosley plays this evil dictator named the governor who rules a combo samurai cowboy town and uh, Nicolas Cage was a bank robber and he's trying to set Nicolas Cage's character into this wasteland called the Ghostland to find his runaway granddaughter and Nicolas Cage has like this leather suit with bombs attached to his uh, neck arms and testicles oh my god oh my god Ooh, yeah so uh the own sono is always so crazy oh he's and, you know, he, goes and he doesn't all out slow here. down either like <laughs> no, he, he only just had a movie come out on netflix the forest of love like oh. last year i think so yeah i forget how many they said but i think this might have been like his 50th movie like he's made a oh lot of movies. Oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of like Takashi Miike and that he just yeah. like pumps uh, pumps out at least one once a year. Mm-hmm. So it just I think gotta... he actually had a heart attack 2 years ago and he, he just immediately just continued filming. <laughs> yeah, no, actually he talked there was an intro by him and he talked about that and said like uh Nicolas Cage actually suggested they shoot the movie in Japan so that uh it'd be easier on him after his heart attack. Did they? Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty interesting. But yeah, no, he he seemed into it, though. Like he just talking about like, yeah, just going right back to work. Um, And yeah, aside from that, I also saw this cool werewolf movie called Eight for Silver Uh, is like a interesting kind of period take on a werewolf movie, which I also double featured with Brotherhood of the Wolf, uh, which was very fitting. And and the last one I saw that I, I really dug uh, is called We're All Going to the World's Fair. It's about this girl that's obsessed with this kind of creepy pasta, and it kind of delves into kind of internet horror and and kind of internet communities. And I, and I was really into it because it's got uh, Michael Rogers from Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is one of my favorite sci-fi Ooh. horror movies. So it, I didn't know exactly where it was going, but it, it was always it was always interesting. I love creepy pasta movies. 
I have been kind of uh, stepping back from movies after having watched so many of them uh, the last few months, but I've been concentrating on series and um, a couple things. I, I Have any of you guys watched that Night Stalker series on Netflix? No, no, I keep meaning to. It's a document. It's a four part documentary about the Night Stalker, which um, it talks to the detectives that work the case and um, and like relatives of victims and stuff like that. It's it's weird because you would think that we know everything we need to know or that we that there is to know about the Night Stalker. And you kind of don't. Um, there's not really much drama in it because, I mean, how much drama can you pull out of a 35 year old case? I mean, you know who did it, you know, you know what happened. Um, but it is interesting because they the whole last episode at the end of the third episode, they is when they realize who the guy is. So the last episode is about how they caught him. And that is crazy because basically, you know, and it's kind of a spoiler, but again, 35 year old case, a whole neighborhood in L.A. chased this dude down the street and beat the shit out of him until the cops yeah. could get there. Wow. <laughs> Vigil anti-justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're showing news footage interviews with the people who were beating the shit out of him and, and the cops that came to arrest him where they're like, how do we get this under control? You know, this guy, I mean, we have to save this murderer from this crowd. And is this going to be a riot? It's, it's really interesting. That's like real life, a nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. It, and also I watched, uh, I, I caught up with The Mandalorian, which uh, speaking of spoilers, that was spoiled for me long before I got to it. But uh, that was, you know, I'm the fringe guy and it's kind of side loaded with horror, but it's still, I think people, people love Star Wars. Um, it was totally worth watching. Every episode seemed to have like one of those, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah moments. <laughs> and also the last one, have, have any of you guys watched WandaVision? Yes, no. I love it. WandaVision, speaking of, you know, horror adjacent, I'm kind of loving it. It the first couple episodes, you're kind of just like, oh, what the hell is going on? But yeah. believe me, if you if you've only gone two episodes and tapped out, please go to the third because that pulls it all. You it starts to make sense and they are going somewhere with it. I haven't watched the fifth episode yet, but I Ooh. I've gotten through the first four. Oh, is the fifth? Am, oh, am I in for something? Ooh, Ooh buddy. <laughs> like no, I thought oh, that's yeah. I thought that's why you were mentioning it because like no. fifth episode they start getting into like some horror stuff and it's pretty. Oh no, I, yeah, I haven't even gotten to the. Fi- oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna watch the fifth. Uh, I'm gonna watch because there's nothing else going on this afternoon to watch on TV. So I'm gonna probably watch the fifth episode <laughs> of. Uh, we, yeah, we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so you know that that's how you get the joke. <laughs> well, might I give a suggestion of what else to watch then? Because I found a little a little weird gem because I love watching documentaries about uh, specific genres. Genre. So I have a lot of, you know, like, uh, like the not quite Hollywood, you know, the documentary about Osploitation. And I have like one about Italian knockoffs of The Exorcist that came with the Beyond the Door set for uh, from Arrow video. So I have a lot of these documentaries. And every time I watch one of them, I always end up blowing like 150 bucks trying to hunt down these movies that they mention in them. So I'm like, oh, that movie sounds cool. But I watched one the other day and I did not hunt down a single fucking title from it because it was called Fascism on a Thread, The Strange Story of Nazi Sploitation Cinema. Mm-hmm. It's on Tubi. It was a documentary that came out last year. And yeah, it, that was enough for me because Nazi Sploitation, like, you know, I've seen Ilsa. I've seen a few others, Love Camp 77, but like th- that genre never really did anything for me. But it was interesting to see like, why this came to why these movies came to be you know why why, like it would definitely be an interesting genre to view objectively 
Mm -hmm. right but to actually like watch the movie like they're talking about like a lot of the stuff that goes on and it's like yeah that's just not my cup of tea i'm sorry and they they discuss like that weird dynamic of like you know okay so these are uh, for the most part movies that just show a lot of extreme torture and uh you know uh sex and stuff um why did it have to be nazis was it something that has to do with like just like showing how bad Nazis were or was it just adding like another thing to it? And it was, it was an interesting dive into it. Uh, but yeah, that was like the first time I watched a movie about a doc about genre that made me not want to buy anymore. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I got my fill of all those movies with that. Yeah. You're set there. Kelly and Bree, what have you guys been watching? Kelly, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, so I, watched recently i i for sundance i did get a, a invitation to watch um judas and the black messiah which is not genre but it was very good um and then i know that you guys recently watched saint maude and i had seen that like back in 2019 at tiff when it first came out and it's <laughs> oh. been so long. i've been waiting so long to see it again it's so, so good, i did right? rewatch that mm-hmm. I, oh my god it's so heavy i it's still so have good. not seen it unfortunately oh girl so you gotta good. watch it it's so i know so i know <laughs> i'm still waiting on my blu-ray to come in like, yes yes uh, i wish i had track yeah, i saw it at the drive-in last week nice i can't that would be a very interesting drive-in experience i think yeah yeah it, yeah there was one particular scare where i jumped in my seat and nearly hit my head on the roof of my car <laughs> <laughs> i think i know what scene you're talking about too yeah i think you so probably too. do yeah yeah <laughs> and then i also watched Seder um because i've got an interview coming up with the director on monday which Ooh. is like such a cool movie knowing that he the director, the writer, he produced it. He wrote it. He built the cabin. He did the cinematography. He did the score for it. He did like everything for this movie. It's such a deeply personal project. Mm-hmm. And it's all like his actual grandmother is in the movie, like before she passed away, telling her true stories of like this demon that they think was hunting the family. And it's like this long story of like, just it's it's so intense. And so like, it's such a slow burn, but it's it's really good knowing the backstory behind it, that it's such a deeply personal tale. So I'm Is really it a documentary. No, it's a it's a fiction film. Okay. Um, but basically what he did is he had this story within his family of like his mother and his grandmother. And I think his great grandmother were all convinced that there was this demon named Seder that was like involved in their lives or that was after them or chasing after them. And, and uh, so he basically took this family mental trauma and turned it into a fictionalized film. So he has stories from with the grandmother that's like actually got her journal writings talking about her experiences and things like that. It has interviews with her talking about her experiences, but it's also presented as like a fictionalized format with these two brothers that are trying to figure out what's going on. So it's really, it's, a, it's such a good slow burn. It's really heavy, but I'm very excited to talk to the director about that one turn a little bit more about it because again it's so like deeply personal to him hell yeah that sounds awesome i'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to that interview it was very cool it was it's it's also just like visually it's a gorgeous film it's so dark and so broody and really really cool i think you guys will like it awesome um i have really not been watching a lot of horror movies unfortunately just because it's the beginning of the year you know i'm taking a little bit of a break after 2020 um but recently I saw not really a horror movie, but I uh, the new Studio Ghibli film that came out, Earwig and the Witch. Oh. So it has witches in it, so slightly horror. But what I do have to say is that it was probably the worst kids movie I've ever seen, so I cannot recommend mm. it. 
not recommend it in general or not recommend it to kids? Oh, uh, no one. No one should really watch this bad? movie, unfortunately. Oh. It was so bad. And it's it sucks because I've liked literally every other Studio Ghibli film, but it was the first one they did in 3D animation and it just looked so bad. And the plot was also terrible. So yikes. Yeah, can't even recommend it to kids, unfortunately. Oh, no. <laughs> that is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then other than that, I also on the more fringe side, I've just been getting into James Spader movies. Movies. Oh. And so I watched Crash, David Cronenberg's Crash, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, Secretary, Sex Lies and Videotapes. Ooh. What have you seen? So. The New Kids? New Kids? Yeah. The New Kids. No. Yeah. It's uh it's from Sean Cunningham, uh, you know, Friday from Friday. Yeah, I think it was the one he did after Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. But James Spader is in it, and it's a young James Spader, and he just plays the most evil son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> I will definitely be checking it out then. <laughs> oh yeah. Lori Laughlin is in it too. Like yeah. <laughs> decades oh, before she went to jail for bribing her kid into college. But around <laughs> the time she made rad, so you know, she was on yeah. her at <laughs> true, that time. True. Uh, but yeah, New Kids, uh, there is a scene where I, I think it's James Spader or one of his goons. One of them shoots a dog and, oh, it, no. and it is just like terrifyingly like for a split moment. I was like, did they actually? Because it looked too like the reaction and stuff was too on point uh and real so yeah that's that's the only heads up i'm gonna give but other than that that's a it's a yeah you can never tell with pre like 90s movies yeah if they're <laughs> actually like hurting an animal well i mean i did just watch cannibal holocaust for the first yeah. time and i yeah. knew those scenes were coming but like damn what a go in. Oh, so yeah. bad <laughs> the more i think about it i'm like yeah i can see like the merits of presenting it I, there's no mm-hmm. merit in that movie being made i think that the that there was no absolute reason for it to be made but now that it is made there is you know and that's is- interesting are we gonna are we about to start a discussion on cannibal holocaust <laughs> it's a trashy movie i'll defend it if i have to I mean, I, I'm not going to defend that movie at all. Other but than the like, animal cruelty, you know, that's definitely not defendable. I right. did like uh, Grindhouse Release did a really good job of putting a disclaimer. And they had the two versions. One, uh, mm-hmm. they had an animal cruelty free version and then a uh, an uncut. So I watched the uncut and then uh, they had a disclaimer saying, hey, they did this, but we do not condone this behavior. We are mm. super against this. We're showing it as is because we believe in free speech or you know but yada yada all that fun jazz i thought that was cool you know like having putting a little context beforehand having that little disclaimer it doesn't alleviate anybody but uh Mm. from that but i i I like it when places go like yeah you know this exists and we're we're showing it but that doesn't mean we think it's a good idea we want to put some context into this yeah i think shutter did the same thing where they had like a little warning before yeah yeah and didn't joe bob show the animal cruelty free version yeah yeah um i think that he didn't show the animal cruelty free version but he did upload a show where it was just him speaking and it wasn't attached to the movie so Mm. you could skip it if you wanted yeah Yeah. right i guess um when they were filming that one of the actors it, it was just so contentious and far out. One of the actors thought they were going to kill him. He thought that that the whole thing was a ruse to murder him. So oh he started God. carrying his passport and all of his money with him, and he oh was going to escape um, <sighs> the first chance he got. 
um, just because the director and the crew were just so crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and that was the original Blair Witch Project. The, um, yeah. the director didn't yeah. let the actors do press for it mm-hmm. um, until he got dragged into court on murder charges. Mm-hmm. Then he had to, he's like, okay, I'm going to have to bring my actors in to defend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. still but alive. Are, yeah, they're still alive, which <laughs> is one of the prime examples. Like I also watched End of Watch the other day and I had similar mm. issues. No way can you convince me that that's found footage because A, with Cannibal Holocaust, where the fuck was the sound guy? There was like <laughs> no sound equipment anywhere. And like there, there was maybe with the second round of people who you know who went out to go investigate where the original filmmakers went mm-hmm. they at least showed them like putting microphones onto the camera yeah. and i'm like mm-hmm. okay i'll believe that a little bit but <laughs> no way are you getting that great of audio with that and yeah so, yeah <laughs> it's called suspension of del- of belief i know yeah. and and i'm not gonna say that like audience back then you know with all the and the setups of the shots and stuff like none of this is convincing that it's real <laughs> at least just with like how it's filmed but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I had an interesting week of, of I was watching a bunch of really uh, disturbing, like extreme horror films for a list I was writing. So I got to watch things like Brutal at 930 in the morning last Sunday. Just, oh. just like <laughs> it was a weird way to start the day. So I had an interesting morning with like the Golden Glove and Brutal and Atrocious oh. and mm. Grotesque. I can't do that great. anymore. <laughs> I could only do that at the age of like 13. 15 maybe but now i have to like supplement it with like a feel-good film in between them yeah fair mm. enough yeah I'm, I'm finding my tolerance for those extreme movies like just kind of shot at this point uh mm-hmm. but i i actually did the opposite and at like nine o'clock eight o'clock in the morning i started watching this movie called the satanist which i was like fuck yeah huh. this movie sounds awesome no it's just a softcore porno with like a few satanist scenes <laughs> i ended up like skipping a lot of them because i'm like okay this is going on for because it was like mid-60s softcore so it was just like a lot of uh, making out yeah <laughs> and i'm just like this is boring too but also i don't want to really be watching softcore but i was really into like how are they going to do the satanist scenes and it was like maybe five minutes of like an hour no. of now has have any of you did any of you see come play last year no no Oh, okay. Because yeah. it was a it was a focus feature release, and it's this little uh, horror film. It's got um, Jillian Jacobs from Community in it, oh. and it's it was it, it it was good. It felt like it kind of felt like a creepy pasta a little bit because mm. it's about this uh, uh, little boy who is on the spectrum uh, and he's non vocal autist autistic, and um, he finds. I don't know how it happens, but he's like watching, he watches SpongeBob on his phone a lot. And then all of a sudden this little story about this like demon character uh, comes on and, and it's all about like how this character is lonely. And like, as the kid's like reading it, all of a sudden the perspective goes from like something watching from behind the, uh, the phone screen. And like, so the rest of the movie is this monster trying to get this little boy so that he could like come over to the other side. Uh, it was very interesting. It felt it felt a little bit like Duke light. Mm. Um, so like, I could see someone like being like, "Oh, this movie's just trying to be Duke. But I could see like that being more of like a selling point, you know, like, hey, this mm-hmm. is kind of like Duke, but it's its own spin. Being like the Duke is not a bad thing either. 
I mean, not. the Babadook's an incredible movie. Oh, yeah. But you could see someone being like, oh, it's like Babadook, but more of a creature feature. And right. like see, being that. Stop. As a, I'm already sold. I know. <laughs> I, I was saying like that. I dug that. Uh, the thing I liked most was the fact that the little boy was nonverbal autistic and they handled that very well. Like it wasn't just like a gimmick. It was uh, it was great motivation uh, and especially addressing like the whole, you know, subplot where the kid's seeing, you know, this spooky creature and no one believing him. It, it works so much well because, again, he's nonverbal and like there's all these weird moments. So like he communicates by ty- typing in or choosing words on his phone. So it'll be he'll like click an icon. And it'll be like need food, need food, you know, and then like uh, the creature will start using that to communicate with him. And it's just so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, come play. It's just got released on Blu-ray. I rented it from Redbox for two bucks. Totally worth it. Uh, nice. I had a lot of fun with it. It kind of sounds to me like the Elsa Gate scandal that was happening on YouTube a few years ago. If you guys are familiar, which is basically that because kids are a lot more based on like watching things on their phones nowadays, a lot of like weird people kind of took advantage of that and made weird videos on Mm -hmm. YouTube that are kind of like geared towards children. And so like a bunch of parents would find their kids watching these bizarre videos. So it kind of sounds like that is maybe what it is. Yeah, it seemed like it took took some inspiration from that or the Momo thing that was going on in the Momo videos. Hey Korea, what do you think of Momo? Most stupid. It's it's it was 2019's pa- satanic panic. I don't yeah. want to get you started on it. I'm I'm I'm, pu- I'm pushing your buttons now. Oh yeah, we did have an episode about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Momo until I watched Come Play, and then I was like, oh yeah, this is a lot. Yeah, those those internet things are so interesting. Mm-hmm. There's some like legitimately really creepy stuff with that where it'll be like a video where it's like shoddily made CG stuff of like Pixar mm-hmm. and Marvel characters put together. And then there's just like really creepy messages that like adults are putting into them. And it's just like, ugh. yeah, that's so sinister. Yeah. I yeah. smell a list. It sounds yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to our topic, which, um, we our topic this week because this is a crossover episode yeah. with Murmurs from the Morgue. We're going to talk about crossover movies, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and it, of course, mainly horror crossovers. But I'm sure that you know there's enough fringe in this uh, in this episode that we're going to go to sci-fi and whatever as well. Um, who who wants to start? What do you guys want to What do you guys want to start with? Do Do we want to go chronologically or just? Well, if we're going to start off, I think uh, starting off, I guess, technically as far back as I can remember uh, with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah, the universal ones. They they crossed over once they realized what they had. um, They would cross over because you had Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, what was it? House of Frankenstein, I think, was kind of a sequel to that. And then House of Dracula was not really a sequel, but that mashed everything together. And Lon Chaney Jr., God bless him, always playing the Wolfman and all these. I mean, they switched yeah, Frankenstein's yeah. and Dracula's, but man, he when he found his niche as the Wolfman, <laughs> he nailed it. Yeah, he did it. Wasn't it like uh, House of Frankenstein when Bella Lugosi played Frankenstein's monster? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I know that um, with Abbott and Costello, like they met the Invisible Man, they met yeah. uh, the Mummy, then there was Doctor mm-hmm. Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Quite a few of them, yeah, and the Killer Boris 
Karloff as well, which I know he didn't appear in um, Meet Frankenstein, but he did come back for Meets the Killer Boris Karloff. Which is and also cool. Boris Karloff was Mr. Hyde in Abbott Costello Meet Mr. Hyde. Yes. And yes. Boris Karloff was in uh, House of Dracula, but he was the Dr. Frankenstein character. It was called something else. Huh. Um, and his assistant was the hunchback. That, that one, I think that's what it was. House of Dracula, I believe, is what it is what that one was called. It had everything. It was a kitchen sink movie. But mm-hmm. well, that's the great thing about uh, the Universal Monsters. Like they were the first real big uh, kind of crossover franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know it just started off in with the individual monsters, and eventually they started popping up in each other's movies, and then you had uh, all that, all those crazy crossovers, and people loved it. Yeah. It was the dark mm-hmm. universe before there was a dark universe. Yeah. I, was, I was just about mm-hmm. to say it was so funny when they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna create the dark." Universe and emulate MCU, and it's like, dog, you already did that like a, yeah. almost a hundred <laughs> years ago. Like. I do love that apparently the Australian Film Board cut like every single scene with a monster in order to get it like passed so that what? it could actually be approved for release. Which, like, what is left? On this is what movie? I've heard on, on uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, okay, oh yeah, God. for that but then one. How do you have them meet Frankenstein? There's it's just right. Abbott and Costello at that point. Yeah. There's no like, nothing else. Abbott and Costello meet. And it's just blank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meets and, the blank. <laughs> although that's that's the thing I really love about the Abbott and Costello meat movies, because uh, they are like really like uh, top horror comedies because they keep the comedy elements, at, mm-hmm. you know, like Adam Costello's usual shtick. But they also make sure it's scary. You know, they, mm-hmm. the monsters are still threatening and they ha- and they kill people and and of course scare people so mm-hmm. you know it was a really good uh i mean i'm sure there are examples before that but it, it was just a really good kind of top tier example of a horror comedy oh just the ending to meets frankenstein when they're in the boat and then the invisible man pops up like yeah oh yeah. so great such an iconic ending so it's one of the best invisible man moments out there for sure yeah and i and i did love uh i uh, I, I actually did get to see am costello meet mr hyde at the new beverly a couple years back and yeah no i mean like mr hyde kills people yeah and they did and they do a lot of those kind of uh i forget the exact word but you know those kind of vaudeville bits where like mr hyde's there and then he switches places with abbott and costello gets freaked out because like he can't tell if abbott is mr hyde or something but yeah the yeah those were uh kind of the first real horror crossover examples i can think of especially in cinema yeah, sure, yeah, and there wasn't really many that followed because there wasn't like a major big crossover into, until uh, King Kong versus Godzilla right. in the sixties, yeah. right? Like I can't well, really think of any. All of the Godzilla movies, they they all kind of crossed over because I think, um, I mean, clearly there was Godzilla who became a mega superstar, but every time, mm-hmm. like you know, they had Rodan. And when Mothra. his movie took off, they're like, let's put him in a Godzilla movie, you know, and then there was Mothra. Yeah. Let's put her in a Godzilla movie. So. The whole the Godzilla, the Toho universe was definitely a universe that. Oh, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. They, they, the monsters definitely, you know, starred in their own. It was kind of like the Marvel universe. I've actually made that comparison before the mm-hmm. Toho universe to the Marvel universe because, you know, you've got different tiers of the monsters. But um, yeah, Toho, th- that was all about crossovers. Once a monster yeah. proved itself with its own movie, they stuck it in a Godzilla movie. And then, and then Godzilla actually went into a couple of their TV shows too. I don't know if it if he ever made it to an Ultraman series, but I know he was in like a few other ones. Uh, but yeah, King Kong versus Godzilla was the first time they took a property that wasn't theirs and brought it in. But that yeah. was because at the time King Kong was far more popular than Godzilla was. Like, and that's yeah. why he wins at that at the end. There's no alternate cut 
James. Uh, <laughs> there is an alternate cut, but no. it, it's actually not. It's not visual. There is a sound effect because it makes it sound like Godzilla died. But in the Japanese one, there's a Godzilla roar, which makes oh, it wow. obvious he lived. Hmm. So you're right. There is no scene of Godzilla coming up, you know, living. But the, the Japanese cut had a sound effect added so that Japanese audiences weren't like, what? The American killed our our national yeah. hero. Right. What would you say is more popular now? Popular Godzilla now. or King Kong? <laughs> I think Godzilla is. Oh, Godzilla. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, did you guys see the trailer for Shin Ultraman? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm oh, stoked for that. The guys who made Shin Godzilla are doing the same thing with Ultraman, and <laughs> I cannot be more excited and hyped because not only are they doing like a like a gritty take on it, where that's going to be all about like the bureaucracy of like these giant things happening, but they changed almost nothing about the looks of them. So Ultraman still looks kind of cheesy. His monsters look kind of cheesy, but it's going to be. <laughs> updated and gritty oh i can't wait last time we recorded um in the middle of recording the the trailer for godzilla versus kong dropped yeah and um so we haven't talked about it yet it is amazing godzilla kills a flying serpent by swinging another flying serpent mm-hmm. at it mm-hmm. two dead flying serpents no murder weapon it's economical <laughs> and speaking of weapons kong has an axe a battle yes. axe yes <laughs> Love it. I really hope I get the chance to see that in IMAX. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, honestly, like those types of movies, it's on like barely even worth it if you're not watching it on like the biggest screen possible with like right. surround sound. Absolutely. Still going to watch it at home a bunch of times. That's, that's oh, no yeah. podcast. <laughs> and I'm going to see it at the drive-in. Yep. Mm. Probably going to try to see it at drive-in first. There's about six feet between four DX theaters because they need all the mechanics of moving it up and down. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the only way you can get me in a theater right now is a 4DX yeah. showing of Magic Mike double XL. <laughs> Feel the sweat. Yeah. But did, did you listen to our last episode, Kelly? He I did. Is obsessed with 4DX sweat. I just want Joe Mangiello to sweat on me. What's oh, so, I love it. Like, what's so wrong with that? Who doesn't? <laughs> Well, this isn't like an outright example, but the legend of the seven gold vampires kind of counts because it's not exactly a monster crossover, but it's kind of a mythology crossover because, you know, like so at the time it was the 70s and two big the two big movie genres or subgenres were vampire movies and kung fu movies. Mm. So Hammer and the Shaw brothers got together and like, hey, let's make a kung fu vampire movie. (laughs) And they did. And it was awesome. Because you got Peter Cushing in China and he teams up with these martial artists to fight these Chinese vampires that have been resurrected by Dracula. And it just delivers, you know, you got vampires that know Kung Fu. You got vampire hunters who know Kung Fu. You got uh, Peter Cushing with like his uh, like vampire uh, hunting weapons, fighting all these other vampires. So. You know, it was, it was an interesting kind of, well, you know, it was like a studio crossover because, you know, I had both studios working together with actors and uh, stuff like that. And yeah, no, just it, it's like really one of a kind. Yeah. Cultural crossovers when it comes to horror movies are always so interesting. Um, another one that I can think of right now is um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, mm-hmm. which is like vampires and westerns and in iran but it's actually california and also black and white yeah yeah vampires are so versatile it's true i think when people think um 
crossovers these days, there are two franchises that come to mind or two yeah. mixed franchises. And one of them is Alien versus Predator. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even though they only made two Alien versus Predator movies, but that joined what the now there are six Alien movies and what four Predator movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the franchise together, you've got 12 movies. Well, apparently the, the the brother Strauss that did Alien versus Predator Requiem, they had an idea to do a third one, but after it did so so poorly, they're like, "Oh, let's not do that." Yeah, <laughs> and they just sort of squashed that idea. Yeah, it kind of killed the franchise. Does anybody else, when they see one of those Disney annual pass stickers on the back of a car, just immediately think AVP because it's an A and a P oh, with yeah. the Mickey ears <laughs> between? I'm always like AVP. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing too that. Uh, uh, like that franchise was ruined for years, even before the movies, because yeah. like Dark Horse made Alien versus Predator comics like every year since like yeah. 1990 or something. 89, I think. Yeah. In the 90s, they had great video games of AVP. Too, oh, yeah. So. Yeah. The yeah. Konami Alien versus Predator game. I love that. Yeah. I, so like those and like, you know, that first one's actually kind of solid. Like the mm-hmm. first AVP. I rewatched that recently. Yeah, the fact that he did like that as well as Resident Evil and like mm. Soldier and Event Horizon and Mortal yep. Kombat, like what a what a career that is. Yeah, been. right. At first, I would love to see a crossover of all of his movies alone. <laughs> God, Alien versus Predator versus Resident Evil, yeah, versus Event Horizon. I want to see all of Paul W.S. Anderson's movies crossover with Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Oh yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know how that's gonna work. <laughs> Could you just imagine just Mortal Kombat done a la like the master, you know? Yes. You, you just have Luke, like I don't know, Sub Zero on the beach, you know, with like a mer- with a mer- sand mermaid. I well let, let's move to the other big crossover that had people excited. Freddy versus Jason. Now that's how you do a crossover. Speaking of yeah, speaking of joining two storied franchises, and this is another one that people were clamoring for. People were, and I think there were even three or four different scripts written for it. Before oh, there they were finally way more than that. One. Oh, more. Like, yeah. There was a whole book written about like the like the development of trying to make Freddy versus Jason. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. called Slash Slash of the Titans. And yeah, I, I don't know how many exactly, but there must have been at least several scripts or pitches or attempts like across a, like a whole spectrum of writers and directors. So like it took a lot of time and effort to actually get it off the ground. I was going to say, they initially had the idea, like in 1987, they wanted to make it, but then they just didn't, neither could agree on a storyline, so they didn't mm. do anything with it between, mm. I think, Paramount and New Line. Because and then they also wanted to have the rights to each other's characters so that they could each control it, and that didn't really go anywhere. And I think in 1997, Rob Botton was originally, like, set to direct it of the thing, like, special effects fame, Rob Botton. And Jason Goes to Hell had that big uh, lead into it, because I remember at the end, like, Freddy's Glove comes up, takes the mask, yeah. yeah, there was no way they could not make that movie after the end oh. of Jason Goes to Hell. I mean, oh, yeah. that was throwing the gauntlet down. They're like, oh, OK, we can't do anything with either <laughs> of these characters until we <laughs> cross them over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They did sneak in Jason X before and uh, oh, Nightmare. So they <laughs> yeah. stuck in a couple. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely like and, you know, it, one of the interesting things that I always loved about Freddy versus Jason. Well, not interesting is the blatant J ripoff from oh, uh, the View Askew movies. <laughs> oh yeah, that like, whole thing. And uh, and that was because I think uh, Miramax was also involved with because um, the new line and all that with it, and they were trying to push a uh, Jane Silent Bob to be like the next Abbott and Costello, and so they were going to have them <laughs> meet Hellraiser. 
uh, oh, but that never God. really panned. So they're like, oh, let's try to get them into <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. And they and that like never came through. But there's this great moment in the uh, Never Sleep Again documentary when they get to Freddy versus Jason, where they talk to Jason Mewes. And Jason Mewes is like, oh, yeah, J- Freddy versus Jason. That was such a great experience. I had so much fun working on it. Wait a minute. I wasn't in that fucking movie. And he just like walks out of the interview room. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. I love, love that bit. Although they did get into Scream 3. They did. Yeah. And I think that was one of the one of the instances of Miramax being like, we can make them the next Abbott and Costello. But Probably. instead, they just went to Degrassi. <laughs> my, my favorite thing with uh, Freddy versus Jason is um, how frustrated Freddy gets when he's he's killing someone in their dreams. And then Jason would do it in yeah. real life. So they'll yep. wake up and he'll be like, oh. Damn it! That was mine! Close! Yeah, Yeah, like that moment is how everybody who played Halo felt when they were about to kill somebody and somebody sold their kill. I was like, oh, dude, that was was mine. (laughs) I had that. It's (laughs) so good. And then they were going to make a uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, but it turned into another rights and everyone being like, no, my guy's bigger. No, my guy's bigger. Mm -hmm. My guy needs more screen time. So they actually Mm -hmm. turned that into a comic book series, which had, they did two uh, of them and they were awesome. If you ever get a chance to hunt down those comics or get a graphic novel of it, it's so good because so many, so like the plot line of Ash follows basically Ash versus evil dead, where he's just a deadbeat and he's not really doing much and he's still working at S smart. And then uh, they make it so that, Jason's mom actually uses the Necronomicon to bring back Jason. So it kind of makes sense. Like, oh, that's why he went from a child to that, because he's a some form of a dead eye. Yeah, and they and they even allude to that and Jason goes to hell because that also yeah. had the Necronomicon and yes. uh, and like some other huh. props. Kendarian dagger, yeah. yeah. Or the Kendarian dagger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the best part of the comics is uh because at that point, you know, Freddie and Jason had their big battle and their big fallout. So Freddie is just fucking with Jason the entire time. Like there's panels of him like in Jason's head and he's just like, oh, look at me. Screw your mother. Oh, Jason. Oh, look at this. And he's just like messing with them in the worst ways possible. And it's just and it's so great. Uh, I wish that could have been a movie, but at least we have the comics where there's like free reign of like, oh, yeah, we can do what we want with them. You know, anything could happen in comics. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like uh, the Freddy versus Jason movie also happened at potentially the last possible moment that it could happen in terms of where films were going because a film like that with like how cheesy it is just it would be hard to sell nowadays and i think that was kind of like the cusp of like that change is that period in the 2000s because like that was 2003 avp was 2004 and i think because i was listening to guys the episode that you guys have with steven kostansky he was talking about the soundtrack for freddie versus jason and that's like just like a perfect (laughs) time capsule for 2003 yeah so much new metal so good (laughs) (laughs) you can't get away with that type of cheese anymore no i would say book of shadows has a soundtrack that rivals it blair witch 2 Fair, fair. You, you still haven't convinced me to watch that yet. You have not even watched it. I, I it's, you really I, should. I haven't digitally. Us. I just haven't gotten around to it. I'll die on that hill. <laughs> I love Book of Shadows. Blair Witch. Yeah. It's 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 incredible. You're missing out. If you don't watch it, that's that's your loss because it's amazing. <laughs> there you go. I'm doing the reserve the reverse psychology on him. Don't watch it. <laughs> It's definitely closer it. to Freddy versus Jason than it is to the original Blair Witch Project. It's <laughs> mm. true. And it is from the directors of uh, Paradise Lost. So there is that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. some mm-hmm. kind of monster, the Metallica documentary. 
Yeah. Mm. But like there there hasn't really been a there was it seemed like there was a few years in the early 2000s where it's like we're going to mash up everybody and then it yeah. stopped. And we haven't really gotten that many except for uh the grudge versus the ring yeah, yeah. Sadako, Sadako versus, versus Kyoko Kayak. yeah yeah exactly. yeah I was gonna say Jacob knows the names what is it uh Sadako versus, Sadako versus Kayako yeah which is originally uh a April Fool's joke in 2015 what? until like yeah it was originally they just sort of mentioned it and they're like yeah April Fool's and then in December they're like wait a minute we could we could do this yeah and they did and they did. And the marketing for the movie was insane. They had like, oh, yeah, all like this Hello Kitty branded merchandise that they like paired with the ring and, and, and the grudge. And they had like a Twitter account. And oh, yeah. my favorite was they actually had Sadako and Kyako throw the first pitch at like Tokyo Stadium. Oh, or something. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was painful to watch because it took them like mm-hmm. 20 minutes to get out yeah. to the mound and <laughs> get in the batter's box and then to get the ball over the. Oh. That was like, it's like, yeah. okay, That's milk the this. problem yeah. with those two is that they're not very, like, they don't move much. And yeah, they're not they doing, sprint. like, they don't have axes. They don't have, like, a knife. They're just, no. they scare you to death. Yeah, there's not a lot That's of athleticism hard. there. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Although it is it is amazing that they made, you know, such a good movie out of out of the concept. Because I, mm-hmm. I really love it, though. It's like, so somebody gets, like, uh, cursed with the ring so they figure if yeah. they can get cursed with a, with the uh, grudge curse then they'll cancel each other out yeah <laughs> love that logic hey desperate times call for desperate measures yeah, yeah. just stacking sure. curses seeing what comes out at the end of it yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it was directed by uh, Koji Shiraishi who directed one of my all time favorite uh, J-horror movies Noroi the Curse which is surprising, honestly, because I consider that to be a really serious movie, you know, yeah. documentary style. Oh, yeah. Whereas so uh, this movie, it does like rely more on kind of a cheesiness. Yeah, a little bit, although I thought it was still pretty scary. Yeah, it definitely had its moments. Um, but that's also the difficult thing, I think, with crossovers is that mm. it's really difficult, in my opinion, to make them serious because they have so much going on and it's like... I, are we really going to have an actual storyline or are we just yeah. going to rely on jokes? And most of them do just rely on jokes. Yeah. There's an innate absurdity to crossing over yeah, anyway, exactly. unless, yeah. unless it's an organic thing. Like, I mean, it's crazy to think of it, but King Kong versus Godzilla is an organic crossover because you've yeah. got these two giant monsters, but putting Jason and Freddie into the same universe anyway is kind of absurd. So yeah, yeah right. I think that the best crossovers lean into that. I think uh, right. Alien versus Predator came up with a great way for them both to exist. You know, the fact that that's how they train these predators is by hunting alien. Yeah. I thought that was a great way to bring those two together. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that there was supposed to be a crossover. I think they're going to do like Leprechaun versus Candyman at one point. They had like a whole bunch of Candyman crossovers planned. And Tony Todd was like, (laughs) I'm not doing that. Um, Candyman is like very much a based in reality type of character. We're not bringing in anything Mm -hmm. absurd with this. Yeah, he's he's very serious. Yeah, he shut it down, which like bless him for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start wrapping this up, but let's let's wrap it up by talking about let's segue into ones that didn't happen one what are your dream crossovers what would you like to see and i'll go first because i would love to see chucky versus leprechaun oh yeah that's a good mm. one like that makes sense that mm. would be 
to me would just be because you got these two smart asses just going mm-hmm. at it and it would be like midget wrestling i mean well you know. I, w- I was just about to say which chucky and which leprechaun because uh the original original the originals uh, okay Warwick not, not, versus uh the brad durif not robot mm-hmm. chucky versus wwe chucky <laughs> or leprechaun uh, the, it's funny you mentioned that because uh there was a sketch comedy show called uh the astronomy club where uh like the like their the my favorite sketch they did was about like this guy doing a press conference because he he killed uh chucky because and he's just like uh he was just like two feet tall so i just stepped on him and then the leprechaun attacks him he just kicks him <laughs> so yeah, i mean it, it makes sense yeah. so we had that crossover yeah, yeah. that crossover we already sense. had it what other uh, dream <laughs> crossovers you guys got Oh, I got one like this has been my dream for God knows how long, but I want to see the gremlins fight critters. Yes, mm. <laughs> just because that, I mean, they both got that same chaotic kinetic energy. They're both, you know, like uh, big eaters, uh, agents of chaos. Uh, they multiply quickly and you just know that there would be so many great gags with them, like just going at it. Yeah, it'd be a great numbers game, too, because like, yeah. again, they just multiply. So just like who can get there mm-hmm. quicker? How, how many yes. can we get here? And then at the end, throw in triples. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you have hobgoblins versus ghoulies and then the winners fight. Do you like a bracket? Yes. Yeah. 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 Tournament. <laughs> tournament of crossovers yeah or maybe like you get a fusion like you get a uh gremlin critter uh a kremlin (laughs) kremlin (laughs) yeah interesting and a hoolie the possibilities are endless i just want a sequel to ghoulies three ghoulies go to college yeah ghoulies four ghoulies go to grad school Mm. Ah, there you go there was a ghoulies four yeah but nobody cares about it yeah no one cares about it was it two or four that they went to space uh, the Ghoulies never went to space. Yeah, Ghoulies didn't, but Critters did. Critters oh, did. yeah, Cr- Critters 4. Critters they did to, go yeah. back to space. Yeah, Leprechaun went to space, too, right before yep. he went to the hood. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he 3000 at one point was in space. Um, I think I would love to see Freddy versus Leprechaun, just because it's that whole <laughs> idea of, like, they can just both do whatever the fuck they want magically, so it'd be really fun to just watch them try yeah. to one-up each magic other. fight. Yeah, uh, they just have a magic fight. It'd be great. <laughs> be, yeah, there's some possibilities there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do it animated you could do whatever you want oh yeah that would be possibilities good. are endless mm-hmm. what about you brianna what's your ultimate matchup that's hard i don't know if i have one um i kind of like to keep them separate maybe like the creature <laughs> from the black lagoon and the shape of water creature or like some <laughs> other aquatic creature like an aquatic creature fight nice or the swamp Ooh. thing I want to see Jaws versus Orca. Jaws versus Orca. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just have a shark fight an orca whale. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty much what it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I was perusing, uh, I think it was Tubi, looking at like what just crossover fights they had movie wise. And there was one that was Bigfoot versus the Illuminati. Ooh, that's Oh, a I good heard one. of that one. <laughs> Which Ooh. I kind of want to watch. Bigfoot versus Mothman. Mm. Oh, there you go. Some of those asylum and sci-fi movies are crazy, like like Sharktopus versus Terracuda. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, they they go crazy with them. Or you know, there's what Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other breed of crossover. Sharktopus versus Terracuda features Conan O'Brien getting his head bitten off. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Yeah, he did a cameo. I love it. Got a Sharktopus or Vega Shark versus. Uh, 
Crocosaurus or something like that. Yeah, on, on TV, Choczilla, Mega Shark versus Croczilla. That's it. Yeah, I just think Terracuda is the most awesome name for 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 a giant monster. Terracuda. That's with a P, a silent P. There's also the Evil Dead or. Not the Evil Dead, the uh, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, which I watched. Oh God! Oh, it's, you did watch that? I Kelly. did watch that because I have seen how, how great that cinematic masterpiece must have been. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was mostly a clip show, which was kind of weird because they're like, "Oh, clearly everyone who's coming into this, they may not be huge fans of Ginger Dead Man or Evil Bong, <laughs> so we must explain every movie leading yeah. up to this point to them." Oh, so half of the movie is just them in flashbacks telling the story of every other movie in the franchise and then they eventually get to the fight which is not mm-hmm. really a fight they just go inside the bong and they're like well we're here now and then yeah. that's that's basically it's basically it kind of along the same lines have any of you seen puppet master versus demonic toys i did no was that any good or was that the same um, type of a thing and i mean it did it have sounds. uh cory feldman oh uh, yeah like there's a i was, I was just thinking there's a couple of uh full moon crossovers are like they kind of yeah. do a couple of their own kind of shared universe deal like uh there was also doll man versus demonic toys yeah yeah which i think is also on tubi <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard to believe that the entire full moon universe is a shared universe though <laughs> i mean it really yeah, is pretty it. much it's hard for me to watch a full moon movie that isn't directed by Stuart gordon like mm. it's oh, yeah. and even then mm. sometimes those get like dagon in that get a bit like uh it's a bit of a drag <laughs> But Dolls is great. Uh, Dolls, oh, yeah. Stuart Gordon's Dolls, that's fantastic. Isn't Tourist Trap a full moon movie? It is. Yep. yep. Yeah. That one's that's good. Fun. Yeah, they that's did some one. good stuff in the 80s. A little yeah. bit. After that, yeah, they, they make money. <laughs> they, got, they got their niche. They got their fan base, which is cool. That's just not my cup of tea. They did Sorority Babes at the Slimeball Bolarama. Hey, that movie <laughs> is a national treasure. It is. <laughs> when I was growing up, what I would consider the mall, you know, everybody says, let's go to the mall. The mall to me growing up is the mall they shot that in. It was called Plaza Camino Real in Carlsbad, Oceanside. And oh. they remodeled it right after that movie came out. So hmm. when that movie came out, I was like, oh, hey, that's the mall. And then it was unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was shot in my mall. So Linnea Quigley was hanging out in my mall at one point. <laughs> nice. You must be so proud. I, I am. I'm, I'm a huge Linnea Quigley fan. I, I, I love that woman. Now, uh, for me, my ultimate crossover should be no surprise to those who can actually see our Zoom. I want a Fred Decker crossover. I want Monster <laughs> Squad meets Night of the Creeps. I think yeah. that would be a lot of fun. And it is and you could do it even like have the Monster Squad kids in college and it's like, yeah, we're kind of past our whole Monster Squad phase and then they encounter the slugs and stuff and Frankie comes back. Oh man, that would be And they bring back some cool. some more like even some different monsters. Yeah. The or like the slugs like bring back other monsters and possess them. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Fred Decker, please. <laughs> we know you're listening. Let's leave it on our plea to Fred Decker to mash up Monster Squad and uh, Night of the Creeps. Um, let's let's get out of here. So thank you, Bree and Kelly, for joining us. This has been an mm-hmm. awesome an awesome talk. Yeah, um, their fun. their pod <laughs> is Murmurs from the Morgue, and it's it's the last Wednesday of every month, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes. You guys post okay. The last mm-hmm. Wednesday of every month. It's only it's only once a month for now. Um, if you love it, make them do more. Uh, be- mm-hmm. 
because they're not like us. They're not going to ram them down your throat every two weeks. If you're, you're going to have to ask them for them more often. Ask us very nicely. Ask me. <laughs> yeah, not like I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm pressuring them. Um, more information about that, you can go to iHorror, you know, the same place that you find more information about us. So yeah, Murmured from the Morgue is what that's called. Uh, our theme song is by Restless Spirit. So go give them some love. Our artwork is by Chris Fisher. So go give him some love. Um, where can we find Murmurs in the Morgue on the socials? What do you, you pretty much got all of them, right? We do. So we are on uh, Instagram at Murmurs from the Morgue. We are on Twitter at Morgue Murmurs. And I believe we're also on Facebook at Murmurs from the Morgue. But again, you can also find us through the iHorror podcast page. As you can yeah. us, you can find Eye on Horror through iHorror. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, on, we have a Twitter. We have an Instagram. We've got anything that Korea uh, puts his mind to. Um, he still hasn't come up with a Tinder for us, though. Uh, I uh, and I didn't make a letterbox. Instead, I started just making lists of uh, movies that we mention. Uh, mm. They might be ones that we fully dissected into, or just a one-off mention. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're ever going, what was that movie that they mentioned in the podcast? Just uh, go on Letterbox and look up Ion Horror, and uh, you can find that list. I saw that you put John Wick on our list, even though all we said was something like the gunplay in John Wick is not realistic, and you're like, oh, John Wick. <laughs> like I said, anytime we mention Anything a movie, it's mentioned, throw it gets thrown in there. I like that. That's a good idea. Well, you could do one for yours. Yeah, We're yeah. stealing that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> steal away <laughs> we probably stole it from someone too I'm, sh I'm sure that wasn't an original idea but uh anyway kelly and Bree, thank you very much for joining us again no problem it was great to be us. here yeah yeah so glad to have you and we will see you all in a couple of weeks so for me james j edwards i'm jacob davison i'm jonathan korea i'm kelly mcneely i'm Bree spieldener keep your eye on horror Okay, no one has responded to me trying to get rid of my bootleg Dawn of the Dead Blu-ray. So, again, I accidentally bought a bootleg of Dawn of the Dead. So, if you want this movie for free, it's a complete rip-off of the old Anchor Bay. Just message us on any of our social medias and I will send it to you free. Fuck, I'll even sign it for you if you want. I don't care. I just want this no longer in my possession. Not that it's cursed or anything. I just don't want it. So, if you want a free movie... Just, just message us if you're listening. Thank you. Uh, this is Korea. Uh, yeah, have fun. Okay. Secret messages. <laughs>